I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It girls, we the itch girls. I got Jenny and Lindsay in this bitch girl. Make it move your hips while sipping gin, girl. Make it bounce your tits like it's a jig, girl. Like boom. Lindsay's mom. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, girls. <laughs> gals, I should say. Exactly. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, the, the girls have been eagerly awaiting. They've been dying to have you on. Yes. So we have asked our listeners, all of you gals, to submit some questions because we wanted to know what you want to know about Evelyn and her perspective on things. So I'm going to start off with a question here. And it says... What was it like changing from a Catholic into the evangelical church? I presume this would have been a little controversial at the time. Right, thanks girls for your questions. And that first question is really a very good question. And I'm really pleased that I have the opportunity to share part of my story with you. So the question is framed, what was it like changing from a Catholic to an evangelical, which sounds almost like Ta-da! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I'm transformed. <laughs> and it wasn't really like that. So in my 20s, having been raised in 60s and 70s Ireland, which was very traditional, 99% were practicing Catholics, I began to think, hang on a second, these are very high standards and rules that seem impossible to keep. I don't think I can really do this anymore. I think I'll just step out of formal religion and just do my own thing. I worked in Aer Lingus as a hostess and it was a very, you know, worldly job. People had fun and, you know, the Catholic religion and me practicing it didn't really fit into that lifestyle. So I just kind of tripped along for a good few years. But by the time I got to about 26, I think I was maybe searching without realising it and looking for meaning. I mean, I had loads going on. I had fun, I had friends. We had travel, of course, all over the world with concessions. Mm -hmm. And yes, there was something missing. So I began on a search and I started a degree in philosophy and English in UCD. And there I met people. When you do philosophy, you start to explore life and the questions of life. And so you hang out in the canteen and explore all these questions. And I didn't really have a chance to do that working from 17 and and flying. And we didn't stop and talk about these things. But this Mm -hmm. was an opportunity for me to do that college thing that you girls probably all have had the opportunity Mm. to do and hang out in the canteen and talk about life. And there I met people from a group called Campus Crusade who had a genuine faith and were real believers and lived it out and had a joy that I thought, hang on, there's something here 
that I haven't seen before, but that's real. And so I began to explore that as a, as a faith option. Uh, I suppose authentic Christianity and what that meant. And I met the most amazing people. And one lady uh, asked me, did I believe that the Bible was the word of God? And I thought, what is she talking about? I never even thought about that. The Bible, do you, you know, we would never have read it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I began to just explore the scriptures a little bit and was just amazed by what I found there of how it's really a love story between God and us and how he's been looking for us um, always. And when he finds us and when we connect with him, it's the greatest relationship mm-hmm. that, that I can have. And it's been the foundation of my life since then, which is nearly 40 years ago. Okay, fab. So you were saying that you were in, like, your family would, would you have considered it quite religious in, like, well, growing up with your mom and dad and all your well, sisters they, and brothers? We had a lovely experience. Um, Lindsay will remember Father John, our uncle, who was a priest. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And I had a priest in the family. Yeah. He was 25 years in Africa as a missionary and we loved him and he was great. And we had an auntie and nun who I was called after, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were practicing, but they weren't real fanatical devout. Yeah, yeah. You know? kind of the cultural Catholic that we see a lot in yeah. Ireland. You know that way you're brought up within a kind of society. But you went to mass and you did your communion, and it was part of your life. And we had a lovely home life. Lindsay will remember her grandparents, and yeah, of course, we had a lovely you know home life. It wasn't off putting from that point of view. No, I mean, I mean, like so. Because you kind of said that you went when you were flying and you were yeah. living your life that you kind of wanted to leave that. So was that like, because from what I know of my aunt and uncle, they all are a bit wild and stuff. So I don't think like, were they always like that? Or was it you going off to live your life in that way? Like you say, worldly in our lingus and everything. We were all like that. You know, our so house that was, was a party rejection. house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, granddad would welcome everybody in and we have sing songs and mm-hmm. drinking and that was part of our life yeah, yeah. so but when you maybe the difference is be- I began to question you kind of well, I think what you said was really interesting that it was an impossible standard to live yeah. up to yeah. that you kind of noticed that it was a bit incongruous to how you were raised be it like you know a little bit more low-key or not but yeah. you're kind of looking at Catholic Ireland and saying hold on this isn't how anyone I know is living, maybe. Yeah, yeah mm. really. However, we're all yeah. devoting ourselves to this church that's holding yeah. a standard that no one's living to, yeah. but everyone's pretending to, yeah. or something like that. It's very, it must have been really so strange. So I did think and I did process that, and it did make a decision not to go back to Mass because oh, of that. Really? And I didn't go to Mass for years. Um, other people didn't have a difficulty with that, but it was yeah. something that didn't sit with me. Like you're saying, it's inconsistent. So mm. living kind of two so, lives. Yeah. yeah, and when I met people who had a living faith, and when I went to a group, they were really praising mm. and enjoying God and knowing Him. And I thought, these people really mean it and believe it and live it and mm-hmm. experience it. So I saw a contrast. Yeah, yeah, it seems mm. a little bit more authentic. But I don't mean that there aren't Catholics yeah. who have a faith like that because yeah. there are and yeah. I know them and I totally respect them. Yeah, yeah. you just yeah. mean like Jenny said, the kind of general culture of yeah. Catholic Ireland that, you know, everyone was doing whatever they wanted to do and still yeah. going along with the communion. And, yeah. you know, I see that a lot in, say, Rilo's school that like yeah. 
parents would be anti what Catholicism stands for but still go along with the christening their children yeah. and the communion and all that yeah, yeah. even if they like yeah. are an, but then they'd be anti the Catholic Church so yeah. it's like well Oliver Callan did a documentary the other night on Orti I don't know if any of you saw it on do we throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater was the title of the documentary mm-hmm. so I watched it and he was in a school of like leaving cert kids and asked them to put up their hands if they considered themselves Catholic and 99% put up their hands that they considered themselves Catholic and then he said do you believe in the rules and regulations of the Catholic Church and nobody put up their hands it's a real weird Irish phenomenon like the cultural Catholicism and it's what we kind of still give the church such power with because even I know my cousins and stuff they all have young children and I remember we were going to their christening and my cousin was kind of complaining you know she was just like it's so frustrating where I live I have no option but yeah. christen my child but mm. then it's like it's a chicken and the egg thing because mm. if everyone stopped who didn't want to obviously <clears throat> that's your own choice but if you don't want to christen your child and if you don't do it surely the schools like they do actually have to let mm. you in do oh, they? they do yeah, yeah. No, that's gone yeah but it's the baptism is gone yeah uh, but people still want it yeah true they, they want the option want the or something they, yeah. they love the cultural you know yeah rite of passage that is involved in the social I think it's of the community. social yeah, I think is, they love because it is your it's community yourself. as well mm-hmm. you come together yeah mm-hmm. it is that kind of and that's missing in a lot of culture at the moment I think you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. when you look at the you know the one thing about like churches and how they've just expanded so much and especially in Ireland the parishes is that it is that community like it's a lot mm-hmm. of it's how a lot of people met their husbands and mm-hmm. met friends and it's a weekly congregation literally yeah. of yeah. people meeting yeah. up with you know a similar interest mm-hmm. whatever that may be but it, it is kind of missing in mm-hmm. culture today mm-hmm. but like I mean I made my communion and my confirmation and my parents my mum she is part of the Unitarian church and okay. she kind of was probably similar to yourself at a similar age she kind of lost questioned. questioned a lot you know she she wouldn't have been like very um strict on like bible readings as like word of god but she does really enjoy theology and she's very interested in it and she just was really frustrated with like that mm. she wanted to like live with my dad and that couldn't mm. happen and mm. that she had to get married and then they wanted to just have a civil service but then my granny who was very catholic was mm. like absolutely no way Mm. you're getting married Mm. in a church and Mm. she stopped going to church for years and she was thinking of uh, converting to uh, Church of Ireland Mm. because she just it was a lot of the stuff with like contraception so she just didn't Mm. agree with um, in Catholic Ireland and uh, but even with, I remember being a kid and my mum being like do you want to make your communion and just like seeing the dress I was of like course. hell yeah what are you? <laughs> like, and knowing that you're going to get loads money. of money yeah. and my parents just kind of let me do it but I guess they gave you the choice but when you're a kid you don't really understand the choice and I mean Seven in eight. a certain type of way the Catholic Church do lure children totally. in in that manner yeah. like you get yeah. to wear this gorgeous yeah. dress yeah and get loads of money what yeah. kid is going to say no but so, and you're going to be on the outside if you don't yeah you're going to be the yes. one be the one or two so like, I mean, but even in my I went to a non-denominational school yes. and there was only I think there was only 10 of us who, because a lot of people back then especially would send their children to my school yes. because they weren't Catholic yes. so yeah. it was actually you were a, ma- a minority to make your mm. communion yes. in my school yeah. But yeah. you still wanted to yeah. do it if you had yeah. the option. Okay. Because there was yeah. a lot of kids in my school, a lot of uh, Christians and stuff would go to NDNSP yes. and Mount Temple. Yes. And, you know, you we had to do religious studies out after school. Yes. So you'd yes. stay after yes. school. So mm. it wasn't the cool thing to do. Which or is partly eat. what may be happening now with the... Yeah. Um, what's the word? 
divesting divesting mm. the Catholic pa- patronage of schools yeah, yeah so if we're talking about the kind of controversy did it cause controversy within your family or when mm. you had children and you didn't want to we weren't baptised and we didn't make any of our communions and confirmations and all that kind of stuff which I am now so grateful for now it's <laughs> super cool yeah it is <laughs> she was ahead of our, we were ahead of our time mm-hmm. well Lindsay will know that I didn't have very confrontational parents. Okay. So they didn't, you know, confront, I think, probably, you know, with their friends and Mm. with our aunties, they would have discussed it and Mm -hmm. they would have been, Cecily told me later, they were quite dismayed, you know. But my friends who had more confrontational parents um, were very, very disturbed by the fact that we were going to what they considered a cult. Mm. Really? Really? Oh, yeah, at the time it was considered a cult and that you were being drawn in and it wasn't Catholic and it was very difficult and some of them who got married either in civil or evangelical churches, the parents didn't go. Mm. Like Jean's parents didn't go to her wedding mm. because they ah, just yeah. made a stand. I've heard that This as is well, yeah. not on, this is not Catholic, so it's not kosher, so we're not going to be attending. But I had more, I suppose, gracious parents in many mm. ways. And so they they were upset and disturbed, but they wouldn't have. So they kind of kept it to themselves a bit. Yeah. And they wouldn't have let it cause a broken relationship, mm. which some people would. Mm. Definitely. Know. So that was the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was different. So if we're going to go into the second question. OK. Yeah. yeah. So we got a few kind of like this. So um, obviously, as they know, I have two children yes from two dads yeah um and i think they kind of want to know how you dealt with how you deal with having such a free-spirited and out there daughter when you have such strong religious faith well god has free-spirited children yeah (laughs) he you know lets us off he gives us free will to be who we are he longs to be in relationship with us but he gives us total freedom so Mm -hmm. we although we would have brought you up with Christian values and hope that you would, you know, know God and follow him for yourself. Mm-hmm. But that is an individual choice for every person. Mm. It's not something you can put on someone. It has to be a, a personal response. So I think dad and I would have allowed you, hopefully, to be free spirited and be yourself mm-hmm. maybe that's why she's the way she is yeah 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 <laughs> and uh, you know we're not in control of our children mm. who they marry who they you know get with who they have a child with we're not in control of any of those things so you might as well accept it mm. but you know knowing god and having the peace of god means i don't get i don't fret okay. he tells us don't fret don't worry don't be anxious you don't have to you know, he, he gives you peace about yeah. things. Like what will be, will be. And people will become their own person. You have especially, to let them off. Yeah, and especially because I feel it's one of those things, the more you resist it, that's when you have end up having a fractured relationship. Yeah. I think a lot of people, our listeners are, because, you know, they know Lindsay and they know me and we'd be quite similar people. And sometimes I think they find it hard to map having religious parents with mm. also having a good relationship because mm. you guys mm. do have a good mm. relationship. Mm. But I think that attitude is kind of central to it because Mm. where you do see the fractured breakdown is when one person is trying to push an identity on another person or push a personality and the other person the more you push the more the other person will probably resist well also i think and if you relate back to you know one of the questions is former ireland and current ireland 
in former Ireland, maybe it was more about reputation. Mm. So if your girl became pregnant in the community, there was a certain amount of shame that you lost your reputation in the neighbourhood. And so they hid it away mm. and they gave the problem to the Magdalens or, you know, to the institutions run by the Catholics. Um, and now I think for me anyway, reputation is not so important as relationship. Relationship is more important. So maintaining relationship mm-hmm. with your children, no matter what they do or where mm. they go or mm. who they're with, that's. Do you think you grew thing. with that? Because when I first got pregnant, was that were you worried about the reputation in the church? I, well, it affects you when you hear news like that. It, you know, you, you want the best for each of your children. Yeah. So, you know, if your child is going to have a baby, then you want them to be provided for. Mm. It's not that you're putting a standard on them, but. The system where there's a mum and a dad and a home and they're able you know and resourced enough mm. to provide then that's the best thing mm-hmm. if that doesn't happen you might be shocked and have to process that and where do we go from here so mm. there might yeah. have been a bit of that going on yeah so then that goes into the question what did how did your mum feel about you getting back oh no um if you could go back in time would you still encourage Lindsay to marry rilo's dad I don't know that I encouraged her. She thinks I, she always says, you encourage me like I beat her down the aisle. But it wasn't like that. Believe me, gals. <laughs> she was engaged for a year to Philip. Rance, as we called him. Yeah. And she thought it was the coolest thing, hottest thing. He had exactly. his ponytail, right? She loved it at the time. She's 19 years old. And, you know, he, he had a charm and he's, Highly intelligent. Really? I didn't really know Rance well that well. Yeah. So no. intelligent. And he was musical. Mm-hmm. I think he had music in common. So there was a connection there. Yeah. If you actually dig deep and remember. I, do, I think I just um, have forgotten him. Yeah. yeah well, Honestly, so much has happened in so your life. So much has happened. He's been yeah. gone for how many years now? We haven't... like the Nine, last... ten years. This yeah. is a long time and you were young. And um, it was like my first kind of proper boyfriend I had Daniel when I was in school who was hilarious yeah do you remember him I didn't think he was hilarious I thought he was very serious (laughs) I mean just hilarious in the fact that he was so ridiculous like she always liked to go for the quirky different (laughs) types you know yeah nobody normal (laughs) (laughs) but then Philip or Rance um Rilo's dad um he was my first proper boyfriend and he was the first person I had sex with. Now, obviously being raised in the church and going to youth group and going away to Teen Street, which was this... um, Big conference for teens, Christian conference for teens, which was pretty cool at the time. No, I loved it. I had so much fun. It was great You always speak really highly of it. It was great. It was amazing. You probably know some people who went to from my temple. Yeah, all the Carly's and all them. Yeah, Yeah, Did they know? Well, I just, there's so many in my, in my temple. There was so many. the Kerrigans and people like that. So that was so fun, but I was very much, and from home and even dad's beliefs, very much instilled in me that, you know, sex before marriage was just the biggest that was very much seen as the most important no-no in my youth group um you know we would speak about that at home and you know especially when I was say going into secondary school it was kind of like I wasn't like kiss boys I wasn't like these these rules were there that I wanted to go by but I also wanted to be you know accepted in school Mm, mm, so it was that kind of mm, weird thing mm, so I did go mm. through school 
as a person who was like not going to the discos mm. I was too afraid to she kind of talk about it school. I was <laughs> so was I <laughs> I was too afraid to go to the discos in case I would just you know I was so sex was this was thing a... meeting going on at the time remember <laughs> so yeah. when you go to a disco you met someone oh, you just yeah. really like you know intimate kissing so. I know Lindsay <laughs> and I scared of that we speak about that I didn't go to any discos yeah. either and I would pretend that I'd be devastated but I was like mm. yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was scary you'd hear these stories from it and as like a 14 year old I was just so inexperienced in any of that as you should be as you should be yeah 14. and it was just and then obviously you know teenagers of also like talk up you know how the yeah, experience is yeah. and I was just like oh my god you're like kissing boys and you're drunk yeah, yeah no thanks scary. <laughs> so I was definitely scared but I do think sex was very much um seen as this I don't know how to like you know it was vilified mm. in the church mm. so I was scared of that I didn't really you know I wanted to just like a lot of my friends and people in the church getting married at 19 was completely normal because they would have met someone maybe at 16 in the church yeah. and been kind of dating without like mm-hmm. you know dating in an innocent way yeah. for a certain amount of years mm-hmm. they'd have like the youth leaders kind of discussing like helping them through this relationship and then they'd some people would get married and some of them 19. worked out great a lot of them well, I mean most of them Josh and Deb were my like um, marry your first love and uh, you know Josh and Deb's were on the late late recently mm-hmm. with their children <laughs> Yeah, they got married they at 19. Check, out, check you too. 19. And they're absolutely fab. They're like 40 now and they've just an amazing life together. Yeah. And I would feckin' love that. First of, of all, Josh most of us Second of all, they have a wonderful relationship and that was wonderful for them. And same with a lot of people in the church who met their partners, but that yeah. just didn't happen for yeah. me. So I kind of felt like how, I mean, how do, do you manage it if it doesn't happen for you like that? Like, I mean, a lot of people did just meet someone in the church mm. and that was great. Mm. I didn't mm. so then but how would I but didn't either I mean even if you're talking about the Carleys they're themselves you know yeah mm. but they would have probably done the Cine thing as well probably Um, I mean probably in youth group you picked up that very much yourself and it was perceived as rules and regulations which is fair enough and maybe there was an overemphasis which I get and mm-hmm. maybe a simplification as well that if you meet a guy and you know he's a believer it's going to be fine mm. and sometimes it's not even when you both have the same faith sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work out life is not you know it's messy mm-hmm. and it's chaotic we know that so um maybe it was an oversimplification and maybe even a little bit cultic at the time mm. that there was that i get that but at the same time the motive behind that probably was to protect you and Jenny can even identify, yeah, you you know, you don't want to, I think there was a title of a book, you don't want to awaken that sexuality too early. Mm-hmm. And there was, I think the reason behind that was probably to, to try to protect you and mm-hmm. to, you know, to wait. And sometimes we wait and wait and the right one doesn't come along. And you yeah, get and that's up what and I was kind of it. thinking because yeah. I was like, you know, I still haven't found the right one if we're going to think in that way. So then it's not too late. She's only thirty-two. Yeah, I know, but then I'd have. You I'm know. praying for the right one for us. You can watch this space, guys. But the one thing I always say to Lindsay is, at least you've got kids, because there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of thirty-two-year-old single women out there who are not in, you know, yeah. such a. Well, no, you're right because a friend of mine who's a counselor, she is seeing a lot of people in her practice now who are in their forties, 
and in their 20s they might have met someone and they yeah. thought well I'm not ready and he's mm. just not exactly what I'm looking for mm-hmm. and and if they had settled and I'm not saying at all that you should settle no 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 but it's they're a, alone maybe now. in hindsight they're, they're like oh was it that he was actually bad. a good guy he well, was it's a really a good guy isn't it I mm. mean like as I broke up with my long term boyfriend mm-hmm. this year and you know you know I'm not going to lie to that didn't go through my head you know you are kind of like yeah. okay it's not fully working out but at the end of the day I'm 29 yeah. I've been with this guy six years you've invested a lot you've invested a lot of time yeah. and you made plans whether it's mm. speaking about them or whatever you know it does go through your head of like should I just settle stay because yeah. it didn't even feel like it would have been a settle it just would have been like should I just and me and Lindsay always talk about this where we're like is this just what it is after six years <laughs> Yeah. you know what I mean and, and really it shouldn't be yeah true it shouldn't be but you just have to make that choice you know and yeah, there's a risk that yeah. you're stepping out totally. and maybe I'm going to be on my own because yeah. I haven't settled and I had to kind of accept that mm. you know mm. when when mm. I was go talking to Lindsay about the breakup I had to be like okay I just have to accept that like yes I am 29 and mm. you know that's just a, uh, the decision I've made mm. because I couldn't do the other have children I think that yeah. was one of the I biggest I was 29 issues. when I met dad and got married oh really mm. 29 mm. My parents were so young, I feel. Yeah. My parents were like, I think they were 24 when they got married. That was very much the norm. Yeah, they were 23. The I think my Most mom... of my friends were married by 24. Yeah. Mary my was married was... 24, mm-hmm. my sister. And they just didn't have kids for five years, four yeah. years. They were married without any children, you know. Mm. So they didn't have me till 89, but they were married in 84. Mm. Mm. Which is mm. very unusual because they had a big pressure on them, they felt. Because everyone, their friends got married at a kidney year. Yeah. 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 And yeah. they were like... Mm-hmm. we're not you know, doing that no because yeah. they were young and yeah. they were kind of as I said as well they my made granny, their own choices yeah, yeah my granny kind of definitely encouraged them to get married and stuff mm. so they were just mm. then they were like look we're in our early 20s so but we'll they're just... still together exactly they are but if they we are. go back to this question so yes. encouraging I would have considered that you encouraged me because um, I was in a situation where I was having sex feeling so guilty about it because mm. I didn't really believe that I should have been doing that but I did mm. and I was like oh no I want to get married to heal mm. that mm. I wanted to mm. make that okay so I didn't mm. so I wasn't sinning and I wasn't doing something bad if I had married this person and then I got pregnant mm. and um, then I think it became more of a reality in my brain mm. I was looking at this man as you know the father of my child and do I really trust to be with him for the rest of my life yeah it was kind of like well he couldn't really provide me anything i talk a lot about (laughs) in the past while i've been talking a lot about transactional relationships like this guy like philip was living in a house in tala from what i remember he had like mulhuddard my mom was a way better memory than me and he was like had like five roommates in this shared mm. accommodation, mm. like this tiny little room. And bangers I was like, of cars. Bangers of cars. <laughs> that always were, broke down all the time. And he'd have to be putting like 500. Money into like the, constantly. these bangers, yeah. So I was just like, oh crap. And I remember you Lindsay and Dad. Then you say loser. <laughs> Did I? But when I was a kid. He's a loser. What about the own guy that I was with? Probably. <laughs> I did used to say that so I was a nerd mind you she had married him at that stage but anyway yeah then I figured out he was a loser but um he had took her a while yeah I don't know why he was very much giving out those loser vibes yeah but um, cool vibes first which is put you well I think when you're that young you think certain things that are definitely loser cool yeah yeah or you just see car and house, yeah. Yeah. you don't see Mulhuddard yeah. <laughs> and Banger. He was young himself. 
you know, you're yeah. only two years old or a year older. Yeah, I think a year older. Quite a year. young. So we um, had a child. Yeah, four year old at the yeah. time. He four had a child, four. super young. And one of the things that we thought about him was he's actually made a choice to live in Ireland because of this child. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good character thing. We did because he moved from England um, to be over, with his, be near his little girl. Yeah, and they broke up, and he stayed stayed working here, renting here, and had yeah. her at the weekends. Yeah. We also had her over to our yeah, house and we loved let her, her stay, and it was you know we it was a nice family thing. Was, like we yeah, we loved her, bonded with her and their family and stuff. But then, so then when I was pregnant and I was kind of seeing it in a different light because I'd never been in that situation of, you know, needing a partner to provide in any type of way. So then, we provided for her. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, you offered me, um, it was Cavan at the time. Yeah, yeah. And then it went on to Nan's apartment yeah. when Nan yeah. went into yeah. a home. So yeah. this apartment is in Malahide. But he was given an awful lot when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. He landed on his feet. apartment in Malahide. And I know. He was married and he had got support from us and from you. and mm. Yeah, he, he just, had like this wonderful thing. He still couldn't really... Maintain that. Do it. Well, but that was the thing where it was like, I think that's what encouraged me to get married because that was my options of living there were if I was married because of your faith, you couldn't provide that for me if, because you, if I wouldn't, mm. if I didn't get married, I wouldn't... Do you know have those benefits yeah I know yeah. what you mean yeah. so then I was kind of yeah. like if I'm gonna it's either just get married or live in my hooded in that little room with my up. baby <laughs> or break up which I eventually did <laughs> she, she wasn't used to living in one room in one hooded let's face it morning girl is not moving out in no offence on your list there yeah <laughs> I know well, one room. Yeah, yeah I mean, one room in a shared, shared Polish people. In a lovely house. No, know. I mean, if he could provide me the whole house, but like yeah, me, no. my new little newborn, and six Polish people sharing a kitchen, <laughs> absolutely no. bloody not. Queuing for the bathroom in <laughs> yeah, the morning. The like. No, 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 no. <laughs> but would you, if you could go back in time, is there anything maybe you would do differently in hindsight? Well, it's your life. As yeah. I said, she was engaged for a year. You were engaged for a year. Yeah. And then you said uh, we're going. To, you were pregnant, and then you said you were going to get married in June. Mm. Remember, and then you said no, no. Actually, I think I'd like to get married in April. I remember <laughs> saying, <laughs> you see, "This is the thing about like you know um, people's perception or whatever." To move on to the next question, I remember <laughs> sitting down and being like, "I don't want to get married. I want to get." fake married so you like Such I mean have a, have yeah, a civil yeah, like yeah. have a ceremony but it's not actually legal all oh, right yeah. and I remember that and I was like so for your you know for the church and for the kind of perception it looks good <laughs> however don't I don't do, actually have to marry the don't street. actually do image and look and, you know anyway yeah like I guess in your perspective it's like if you're gonna get married you're gonna get married yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, like, I, I she's still married. married I know I know I wish I hadn't got married in hindsight, I wish I hadn't. But I also don't know. I suppose you're not I, the only one who thinks yeah. like that. Because yeah. it was a toxic relationship. Mm. Which again, I hadn't had much experience with boys. Because I feel, and I'm not even just putting the blame on you. It's how I soaked this up. Because the girls were also brought up in that similar way. Mm. And yeah, they were able to have male relationships. I think it could have worked out if he had been different. And if he had known how to relate and be a dad mm. uh, like 
he really had lots and lots of issues that probably we didn't didn't weren't aware of mm. and um, I remember one time he took some tablets and was quite serious. You called an ambulance for him, probably saved him. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who's very, very good psychotherapist, Owen Connolly, uh, took him on and for a service to us, look, mm. we met him every mm. week for six weeks. And obviously it's confidential. Yeah, of what course. They went on with him, but, you know, we wanted to help him. And mm. Owen was the best person. And I think he was really trying to help him figure out who he is and what his role was. And mm. maybe there was gaps in his own childhood that caused that those issues to, you know, come into the marriage. Mm-hmm. But if that had been different, if he'd been maybe, you know, more sure of his identity, mm. it, it may have worked out. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Well, it might if it was just a different person <laughs> which you know a lot of marriages could work if it was just not that person yeah, but um i think yeah i think that just the kind of ostracizing of like sex and stuff in youth group mm-hmm. and from that's kind of extracted from the bible into religion a lot like i do feel like they really focus a lot on stuff like yeah. sex before marriage that kind of stuff where there's like a lot of other rules or, you know, kind of guidelines, however you want to call them in yeah, the Bible. Yeah, well, I would prefer not to call them rules. I mean, someone asked, someone um, was having this conversation recently um, and they were talking to, you know, a believer, a follower of Christ. And I said, so if I decide to be a follower of Jesus, do I have to change my sexuality or? Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And the person said, well, if he asks you to. So the first step is to trust him and say yes. And it's not about the rules and regulations. It's about knowing him and trusting him and just seeing how he's going to lead you forward mm-hmm. in your journey. I so think I think well, I would be against rules and regulations. And if there was an emphasis on that, then it's not a good reflection. Okay. Mm. Because I think my what I learned from because people are kind of assuming that I'm not religious and that's not the case. No. I still believe yeah. in God and mm-hmm. pray and all those things. So you would be Christian. So I never lost. Your... I never went anti-religion. Mm. No, you never like, did. I never, never was like didn't believe in it or anything like that. Mm. I just kind of realized that every single human sins, regardless of their mm. religion. Oh, so you're just trying. We're all sinners and sinned against. Mm-hmm. Every one of us is both. So I think We're I stopped trying to make myself and perfect. sinned against. Yeah. Okay. So next question. And I think if so they asked like how how did your mum feel about you getting back with an ex after a toxic relationship? Now I wanna kind of branch this out too as well because you've had friends of yours only recently who've had big toxic yeah. marriage breakdowns. Yeah. So I think if we're opening this up to kind of be beneficial to the listeners, yeah. How do you deal? Because I think a lot of people write in there like my best friend is in this really toxic relationship or you know, I'm in you know, so how do you feel is best to kind of manage, say, your daughter or your friends in a toxic situation or getting back with a boyfriend who maybe has been? Isn't it so difficult to tell people? Mm-hmm. Um, can you imagine telling Lindsay not to see someone? Oh, I mean, I tried. <laughs> I spoke with I spoke with a friend of mine the other day who lost her son at 38. And he was in a very toxic relationship, yeah, mm-hmm. which partly perhaps might have contributed to his demise. But his friend said, I got down on my knees before him and I begged him, mm. please give her up. 
please mm-hmm. stay yeah. away. I begged him and he wasn't the only one. So how can we, we can't control other people's lives. Yeah. Mm. We each have our own you know, choices and freedom. That's who we are as people. We're free even to self-destruct. You know, we're totally free. So how can you do that? The, the only way is just is pray that the right person comes along and the wrong person leaves. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, you know, you see the damage toxic relationships mm. have on people. Yeah. And some of them are in counselling for years and hugely affected. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult, isn't it, to prevent? Stuff? Yeah. I think the best thing to do, which I, um, you know, from a few people that I would know who are trying to manage, say, a friend's toxic relationship, a lot of the time they, you know, everyone deals with it differently in the friend group or whatever but sometimes you'll have one friend who refuses to be around the partner or refuses mm, yes, to come over to the house yes, yes. and from my experience of people doing that not to me really but like it's a kind of like it's a 50 50 it can either make you be like this is how my life is now with this person it's not enjoyable i don't get to hang around with this person they make it difficult and if they if i just didn't have that relationship i could go back to my normal life and yeah. have my friendships yeah. and everything yeah but on the other hand, it can also just push the person further into the relationship. Yes, yes. Um, I think you have to always like give afford the other person like a bit of a safety net, mm, you know, that way. Mm. Because if you've seen it be toxic before and they are getting back and breaking up and getting back, like mm. the one thing you could probably bank on is that it's probably going to happen again, or you know, there's going to be rifts. Mm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not no one really has a toxic situation that then all of a sudden the next time they get back together, it's perfect and there's no rifts. No, you know, so no. and eventually it'll either break up completely yeah or they'll find a level yeah to relate on yeah for uh, for a while but yeah i mean you see people with narcissistic people and Mm -hmm. it's very hard to look at someone being treated like that how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What do you think of the fathers of my children? Well, how are we supposed to look at anyone, you know, we're... 
to accept everyone. What do we say? What did Jesus say about your enemies? You pray for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an alternative way of not normal for human people to look like that. So, so I try to, I suppose, apply those principles to him. And I mean, Jimmy, I just don't really have a problem with Jimmy because he mm-hmm. has a charm and I just see his good sides. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be the best person for you but he's a good dad for Luna in many ways yeah yeah and I recognize that so Mm -hmm. and I think recently since it came out about his other child and my dad was saying like the best thing what we have to maintain um with Jimmy as Luna's dad is a nice relationship because that is going to be Mm. the most beneficial thing so even when things come up like you You know the child you just kind of have to deal with it it's just onwards and upwards really because one thing that's never going to change is that he's Luna's dad Mm. So you know mm. what I mean. You just she ha- loves him exactly, and she's yeah. happy with him. And she loves he's, going there. He stayed in Ireland, yeah. so you just have to focus on the good that someone yeah. does. I think mm-hmm. yeah. in those situations, yeah. rather because I think if it's it can become very toxic for yourself if you only uh, concentrate on the bad things. Well, you're mm. making judgments as well. You know how do you p- feel about the fathers? Well, you can make judgments on them and be judgmental, but that's not really the way to go, is it? Mm. It doesn't help them mm-hmm. or you. Yeah. So the next question is, has your daughter's liberal attitudes rubbed off on you in more recent years? Well, I suppose you'd have to ask which liberal attitudes. There's certain things that I can't change. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, abortion. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't because, uh, you know, my reference for truth is the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And very clearly, unambiguously, life starts at conception according to the scriptures mm-hmm. life starts at conception so I can't change that there's certain like more like I'm yeah not, I'm not being hard line but that is my faith you know I, I can't change that it doesn't mean that I I have sympathy for you know people in those situations but I can't change yeah. so when you say liberal um, like I would say, I'm pro-life and pro-choice because people have choice. Mm-hmm. So I'm pro-life and pro-choice. So Yeah, I think that's what people find. It's it's That was difficult and it was harrowing for everyone, that whole mm. referendum. Um, you know, like it's not a, a good thing. But I don't think, you know, it wasn't a joyful occasion. It's it never going to for lots of people. True. You know, on the, yeah. on the, you know, I found it very, very painful to look at the celebrations uh, in Dublin Castle that night I, I couldn't mm-hmm. you know how you would applaud mm. you know that uh, judgment but anyway so that that liberal if you consider whether I've changed my opinion I can't mm-hmm. so your liberal viewpoint and do you ever feel like difficult do you ever find it difficult when you have the scriptures there like do you just always find the easiest way for you is to go back to the scriptures scriptures and relate to that so you don't have to kind well, of be conflicted no, with your own? Sometimes, no, it's very challenging. Sometimes it's very challenging. Do you feel like blessing your enemies and praying for them, mm-hmm. someone who's really hurt you very badly? It isn't easy to do. It's very challenging. Mm. So that's, you, you do that and then very often the feelings kick in. You know, you, you bless them and pray for them and then you feel differently. But that wouldn't be your first response. So did you ever find it like that you were kind of ever, say with the repeal thing, leaning towards the choice or was it just... No. Mm. So 
(laughs) (laughs) That's okay. One thing that Lindsay and I, whenever we spoke about it, be it to each other or on the podcast, we didn't speak about it too much on the podcast. We did feel there was a huge amount, if you were like very much pro-choice, there was a lot of... um, podcasts and information out mm. there for people who are very well versed in it mm, you yeah. know and we also just didn't want to ostracize mm. a lot of people because mm. I think Lindsay and I you know obviously we knew about uh, your yours and David's faith and we knew people who were pro-life as well mm. and I think that one thing Lindsay and I struggled with with the campaign is that we found it quite uh, ostracizing yeah. and that it was, it was quite divisive yeah it was extremely divisive mm. and you know I think well, it was vilifying, definitely vilifying. Be- definitely the vilifying. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there were certain people that you're were... You're not being humane. You're not being gracious to us. Yeah. You're not... Yeah. And I think even the pe- a lot of the people they the media chose to who were advocates for pro-life, like, weren't... They showed it, like, it was, like, a crazy Disney villain. Like, this evil... Mm. Ma- you know what I mean? Like, mm. the people that were on the late, late... Like, some of them weren't very, like... They didn't show the normal people out there, so I, mm. I find that kind of mm. frustrating, you but know? In some ways, I think it's a reaction, and perhaps the same with homosexuality, it's a reaction to how the church as an institution has um, uh, treated marginalised people. Yeah. People who got pregnant, you know, without being married. Um, people who have a sexuality that is not in line with Christian values. How did we treat them? Mm-hmm. You know, we have to take responsibility yeah. as as a member of the church that we treated them very, very in a judgmental way and isolated them. So now they're isolating us. Yeah. And so I think we have to, in some ways, be thankful that they've highlighted their own position and they've looked mm-hmm. for justice and compassion and equality. And these are good things. Mm-hmm. So I think that we must listen mm-hmm. and, you know, check ourselves and our own attitudes mm-hmm. and our historical uh, treatment of people. Mm-hmm. Because you and Dad always say that you want the church that you go to, or if you were ever to like provide a space for yeah. kind of talking about your faith and mm-hmm. everything, that you want it to be an inclusive yeah, yeah place. Because I think yeah. that is. You know, it's the rejecting of the church right now. This generation is very yeah. much rejecting the trauma that the Catholic Church did. Yeah, in and this actually, they, they, they consider that that's God. And mm. it's not representational of God at all. Mm. So they're actually throwing out something that's man made and tradition rather than God. If you look at Jesus, who did he hang out with? Hung out with prostitutes mm-hmm. and robbers and tax cheats. Not the religious people. Yeah. They were the ones he challenged most of all. And to the institution so yeah. more so. We look at him and, mm-hmm. and uh, learn. Mm-hmm. And then another question was, which is kind of similar, but they said, what do you think of the gal's style? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> they, their dress style? <laughs> yeah, our style. Yeah. Like, so you have like three daughters, and you yeah. have Jenny and I. And a stepdaughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> as my mom calls she Lindsay. Is, she is like the rest of... Yeah, my gals. Yeah. It's true. So we all we have our style. What do you think of it? I think it's great because I think you're both so creative. And if you look at Lindsay's apartment, gals, and you see this very long rail of amazing clothes, mostly mostly from charity shops. Yeah. yeah. And they're amazing colors, like your lime greens and your mm-hmm. pinks, and I think it's great. And I've probably got used to the tattoos. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little years. bit. Yeah. The tattoos, yeah, my mum just <laughs> turns a blind eye to them on me. <laughs> well, you have very few. I have yeah. less, definitely. Well, I don't, but... I'm not covered. No, no. So, I mean. But that is also a generalisation thing. I think, like, in um, your day, it was a certain type of person would get tattoos a lot yes. of the time. Yes, um, yes. And now everyone it has is. It's it very is much different. changing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I always say it'll be funny when, you know, the likes of Rilo's older, all their grannies and granddads will have sleeves. Yeah. Wrinkly, <laughs> wrinkly tattoos. <laughs> wrinkly tattoos. Well, it's wrinkly skin either way. <laughs> okay, now I like this question. So what is your opinion on politics in Ireland and has it changed much from when you grew up is it better or worse in your eyes what do you hope for the future <laughs> of your grand like uh, you know with Luna and Rilo growing up in Ireland because I think a lot of people there's a lot of talk um, you know on the news and social media about climate change right now about that we're destroying our planet a lot of young people are getting really really scared yeah and I know I've heard this that this is a very very big issue for young people climate change and I mean, I always go back to the scriptures, but we are we were given stewardship of the planet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by God to look after the land and the animals. And we messed up like in so many other ways. We mm-hmm. messed up in some ways we've nurtured, um, you know, but there's lots of ways we could improve. That is part of our role as humans. And we are, you know, the, the, the more dominant species in that we have mm-hmm. more power. Um, so I, I don't worry about climate change in the same way as the next generation maybe I should but um, I think it's a very big issue and it is something we can reverse mm-hmm. the scientists say we still have a time frame a window to reverse and we need to take responsibility for that and I don't think the politicians are and that's where mm-hmm. I think it should be pushed to because one thing I find I see a lot of young people and look it's not in bad taste on their behalf like I understand that they're just trying to make something better and they're they're frustrated but a lot of the time it's pushed back on like the public when mm. that's not how this irreversible change will happen like obviously you know things like recycling and mm. metal straws if you want to argue could make mm. a, a small mm. difference mm. but it actually is like three to six companies that make 80% of all of the, the huge carbon emissions yeah. in the world so yeah. it actually has to go back onto way higher levels you know it, it, yeah. it, it, it's and leadership why, yeah you're right it's yeah. leadership and that's why I think people voted in the Greens yeah yeah last yeah. election um, and you know the people who are going to be affected by climate change are poor people yeah and they've already been affected in places mm-hmm. like the last big waves in Africa um, Bangladesh India, like India, I mean yeah. yeah well so, where they're making stuff for yeah, us so yeah, they're yeah. making it and trying to maintain this cheap high demand for like such things like fast fashion even toys just yeah all that yeah. kind of stuff and so we do have responsibility there totally. as individuals in how we you know purchase yes Um, packaging is a huge thing I think you know when you look around it's always modern packaging that yeah. seems mm. to litter all the time um i mean there's such an unequal society as well like what dad's reading this book now on uh, when helping hurts which is you try to be a charity but are you maybe causing more harm than good it's very interesting but like i think the statistic is about maybe 70 percent of people in the world live on two dollars a day that's crazy Mm. which is completely unequal so we need to think about climate and the planet but we need to think about the people as well Mm -hmm. that we share the planet with Mm. and why is it so unequal and 
mm. know, the West versus the East. It's I, I watched that Netflix documentary, The True Cost, oh. and it's really good. Yeah, it's all about, it. it's in Bang- Bangladesh and places yeah. where they are providing clothing to Zara, yeah. Yeah. pretty little thing. They probably get a dollar a week. The working conditions are just horrific. And, yeah. um, but they had that fire there, I think, about a year ago. They had oh, a fire the yeah. factory. And the w- crazy thing about it is that companies can get away with... Uh, you know these are a lot of loopholes so they, yeah. they they don't actually own the factories yeah they yeah. they lease them yeah they like kind of hire them on a contract basis so yeah. they don't they actually no responsibility they've then. no response so the likes of like uh, i don't know if it's so much primark but i i don't know they because they had that big controversy over bangladesh yeah but say when it was the bangladesh one they weren't responsible for the conditions of the workers the managers are mm. yeah because so, they i think it's their loophole is kind of like that is um acceptable working um in bangladesh yeah you know so they're kind of saying because i saw yeah. in that documentary it was like they were having a debate about this and um one woman was saying like you know for us to live off two dollars a day is completely unreasonable but apparently it's fine for them yeah it's fine for them. like that's maintaining okay some them, sort of normality that's, that's almost like saying this the caste system yeah, yeah. Like that we're more valuable. Mm. It's a very myopic way of looking at things. I think it's saying, well, and then how does a society progress if Mm. you're just going to pigeonhole them and say, it's like, you know, back in Ireland in like before the famine. It's like, well, Mm. they're grand living off potatoes. So that's how they live and that's how they will always live. Mm. When it's... They're peasants. Yeah. And also when, you know, it's a very strange way to look at it when we're arguably the Western world are what's causing... Yeah. The, like yeah. yes $2 a day if you look back on like maybe before the industrial revolution in India when they were you know farming and you know mm. they obviously every country has their own problems and they've always had a very strict caste mm. system but like mm. that maybe would have been a more enjoyable a fulfilling way to live but now that well, it was like here like you're saying in the 20s and 30s there wasn't an awful lot of currency yeah so people you know grew their vegetables had their animals um wove their own wool sustainable and then, living and then knit it mm-hmm. and they actually didn't use currency yeah. even. so yeah mm. you, you know you're right there, there was a lot of it was labour intensive but it it worked yeah I think what um as well with that question what you kind of I think this has come out so much especially in the past two climate years climate change yeah. yeah and I think it's really people are getting incredibly anxious yeah. about it this conversation yeah. about like we'll be wearing gas masks within 10 years that the you know there's all these huge mm petrifying things coming out about what could possibly happen if we don't um, mm. become accountable to like yeah. our consumption and everything mm. like that but was there anything like when you were growing up that like because you know is this very much now or generalization I think it is thing? a very much a modern thing when you were growing up was there anything like that was like a hot topic that was kind of scary like were you worried about something happening because I think that's why some people of our generation who are just kind of hearing this coming out they're kind of thinking is it just because now I'm getting to a certain age and becoming more aware of like mm. news and information I think information. we would have had this um, fear of the end of the world mm. and there were books being written the world's going to end in, oh, and then yeah. now 1984 is the title of a George Orwell yeah, book yeah, yeah. <laughs> which now seems like ages ago yeah. but in the 60s 1984 was like you know this uh, future and dystopian kind of future yeah and you know when you look at Star Trek the original Star Treks they had screens mm. that they looked at one another and it looked so futuristic mm-hmm. and now we do that through Skype and all everything the time. all yeah, the time yeah 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 and that's only like 30 years ago so I think the buzz thing at the time was um, the earth is going to end 
and I think in different countries as well when you look at it you know there was the Vietnam War in the 60s and the civil rights movement in the 70s and maybe even arguably the AIDS movement in Mm. the 80s Mm. you know there are always the and scary things the scary things and arguably you always do need the youth or whatever to kind of bring those Mm. issues to Mm. the forefront I think I think Mm. that's a funny way the world always works Mm. is that Mm -hmm. protesters yeah you know Mm. as much as like we can laugh about them and complain about them but they actually often do bring you know uh, very important things like France yeah in in, the yellow vests and all them or even way back you know before the French state became a democracy when it was a monarchy and they came up against inequality yeah like there was all over Europe Mm -hmm. you know the, the big houses which we still have here like Malhai Castle and the whole village would have been participating in the maintenance and yeah. and, and looking after this one family mm. crazy you know when you see the costumes around Malahide you see T.D. and Talbot to Malahide he built them so that the, the workers could really yeah wow so they would provide the maintenance of the they would provide they would be the the, the gardeners the farmers the cooks mm. the servants so a town would exist just town for the maintenance of for, and you can see it family. all over the country mm. and same in the uk yeah yeah mm. Feudal at least we don't have royals because <laughs> the uk still have to pr- provide their taxes go to obviously yeah but they're a they're a big tourist attraction though they're true yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so another question says in today's society blended families are becoming increasingly common and relationships don't tend to last as long what do you why do you think this is the case do you think it's because our generation so mine and Lindsay's are constantly looking for the Instagram perfect life or is it just because or is it because back when you were in your 20s women put up with more interested to hear your thoughts (laughs) so (laughs) I guess first of all yeah I guess the, the question's more so like why there is like that thing that you know it's a chicken and egg thing as well though I think is it, is it because it's more acceptable that relationships are breaking down or whatever else but mm. um, yeah any any thoughts well you know there's, there's, there's a verse in the bible that says there's nothing new under the sun mm. there's things have issues have been similar over the years um, and sometimes there's cycles and at the moment maybe we're in a cycle of you know, not particularly long-lasting or conservative relationships. And there's probably many complex reasons for that. I don't think it's fair to say women put up with more. Yeah. And I don't think you have to. Certainly not domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone of us, and we've heard of many cases, even in the last year, of women being murdered by their husbands, Mm. which probably would suggest there had been some domestic abuse going on Mm -hmm. before that. And that's just not acceptable why would you encourage someone to stay in such an abusive Mm. like Mm -hmm. worse than toxic relationship life threatening yeah Mm -hmm. um so blended families blended family is kind of like children come and babies arrive Mm -hmm. in sometimes not the most ideal in fact they say most pregnancies are not planned Mm even married ones and most pregnancies are not planned mm-hmm. that's just life mm-hmm. it happens um, so the child is innocent and they need to be looked after mm-hmm. so you know the parents the society needs to embrace that and that unexpected you know arrivals 
of mm-hmm. babies. A friend of mine always says, pregnancy is not the worst thing you hear about your children. That's not the much worse thing that you can hear. <laughs> so that's okay. Uh-huh. You know, if they're pregnant, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a baby. It's fine. It's they, a shock, they, but they, you'll they, deal with it. Yeah. Like people have done it before. Not the worst thing. <laughs> yeah. So do you think... Not at all. Like that people are giving up on relationships easier now than maybe... I don't think that would really be fair on people to say that. I think they're giving them a disservice to say that. Um, perhaps you're not going to put up with you know abuse or control or um something really really toxic in a relationship i think those you know if we're talking about like obviously domestic abuse and those things are very much viable reasons to leave a relationship Mm. yeah but like jenny said you know when you were breaking up with your ex it was kind of like it wasn't those things but you still did not want to be in that relationship mm. and stuff but yeah. do you feel that maybe in your generation they kind of would We're break up for big age, reasons like well you see we got domestic. married yeah mm. mostly in like your mom and dad did you know in the 80s we, we got married because yeah. that was mostly an expectation and it, you know it's not great to dismiss all of that mm. because there were some great things that we did for example pre-marriage courses which I have a DVD at home on them and they're excellent stuff that you can work through stuff like how are we going to be about finance? Mm. How are we going to figure all that have stuff out? Have open conversations, yeah. which our generation definitely doesn't have. And so you're a little mm. bit prepared for the things that might come up and trip you up in your relationship. I think most of us want to be in a secure, long-term relationship and it's normal to want to have a family and a home and a provider mm-hmm. it's that's fine you know we were created for partnership and relationship so how we figure that out though because we're all broken fractured people mm. so how do we figure that out so there's people who've invested a huge amount of time in anticipating what the pitfalls are for you mm-hmm. in your future marriage uh, people who like myself and David and your mom and dad who've been through an awful lot who can actually help you guys mm-hmm. to formulate long-term relationships mm. and get past some of the conflicts that will inevitably come up but if you get through them and process them together you're actually going to be stronger on the other side of it mm-hmm. and it's not about you know being angry and rearing up on one another Mm-hmm. which causes you know hurt maybe because words were used that are very hurtful but there's ways to resolve conflicting issues between you both and just getting those little skills and resources from people who who would be very good at that is, is really mm-hmm. helpful so How do you I think, think we in my generation probably had more resources yeah uh, and and people available to us to help us in that and how do you think because you and dad have a great relationship, but you both treat each other fairly. I feel like the reason why I left my relationships, especially my last one, was because I just didn't feel, I felt like I was trying to, with you and dad's help as well, trying to work out certain issues that we had, like financial ones, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know, with like riding out rent, yeah. grocery, like, the, yeah. you know, these things that were like... Should be kind of obvious. Just, yeah, I yeah. Th- you know, it was common sense, but we were very much spelling it out. This is, yeah. you know, clearly it needs to be 50-50 here or whatever was yeah. working. Like, he was yeah. working more at that point. That kind of stuff. So, it's like, 
sometimes you can just find someone who is just not going to meet yes. you halfway yes. or mm. there's some weird well, competition we bring between each other or massive something. baggage with us yeah mm-hmm. into a relationship and we bring our parents values and you know what happened between them yeah positive or negative with us and that will affect and maybe there's a certain fear there over finances you know what we would call it, like a stronghold of fear and mm. um, that causes them to be you know tight-fisted or mm-hmm. um afraid to and, and and you know david didn't have any of that uh, his father did yeah so like dad massive was never... financial issues like he she never had a checkbook my granny. she was like a, a, a 50 stepford wife um although she wasn't in her character but no. the way he treated her she was 11 years younger so i think he always treated okay. her as this kind of child because obviously they were wealthy they he had loads of money, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she never. She got a budget of like, for example, forty pounds at that time a week or a month for the groceries, and you did not go over it. And you had to answer if you did this type Whoa. of thing. And so with us, David just completely trusts me with, mm. and I don't. Then because I have that huge trust in me, I don't abuse it. Yeah, you know, I, I try to live within a budget. But he, mm. he's never seen a bank statement. I don't think in his life. <laughs> The financial thing is interesting because it like is. it can be a big one. Because my dad earns, but my mom manages yeah. the money. And then when you look at it in the sense of like why you know when I saw the question come in, I was like thinking about it, and you know when you think of like the women's liberation that like yeah. women being able to work past marriage yeah. has empowered women on one path because mm-hmm. a lot of women would stay in marriages that were say toxic or abusive because they, were they literally dependent. had yeah. no way of getting out mm-hmm. they had no mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if they moved abroad with their husband it was just mm-hmm. pigeonholed and you know in one hand it helped us so much and then on the other hand it's like does it make you go earlier you know it's funny it kind when of you, shifted i think the power dynamic just, I, guess. I think maybe for this generation there's not those like obviously nan she got married she didn't have financial control over mm. what he was earning mm. however she was kind of maintained she had a house she had, mm. you mm. know and he left her good old will so she was able to <laughs> she did enjoy life the last 10 years <laughs> yeah. for that. when he finally popped his he'd be turning like... in his grave but she didn't care <laughs> but she was also so generous she just wanted to give it away yeah well, probably yeah. maybe that was a reaction of how yeah, the, the money was, you know, yeah. felt on her that yeah. she just couldn't also inflict yeah. that. And maybe same with dad, his reaction of his yeah. upbringing could have possibly been like, I don't want anything to do with mm. money in my relationship mm. because he mm. saw, mm. you know, the problems that it caused. Yeah. And, and no one um, way or the other, I think. I think you either resist mm. it or you, and mm. you go completely opposite or you then think, oh, well, that's how a marriage works. Yeah, and you mirror it. And you mirror it, yeah. So what would be tips, I think? Do you have any tips? Because I think... On, what was the question again, sir? Um, kind of like a long-term... Oh, the long-term. ...relationships and maintaining them because, you know, we can't really give out that <laughs> advice. First thing is the right one. Okay. okay. The right one. You wait for the right one. And how do you know? Well, you see... <laughs> you would say God tells you. He did, actually. He did. Okay. He, he literally completely and utterly confirmed in what way well so i was flying right and mm-hmm. we knew one another for a few years and we were dating for a few so months. you met in your new church right when you uh, we met at uh, i i told you that i had gone to uh, a meeting and became very very intrigued by you know 
reading the scriptures in a personal way and letting them speak to me and so I began to investigate that so there was little, this little group that met in Rohini in a house and mm-hmm. um, that we looked at them to get lots of young people and so I met him there mm-hmm. in 1982 and so we kind of at the time hung out in a group and you know there was a good few singles so we hung out but he was you remember photographs of him mm-hmm. at that time and he was really really handsome <laughs> <laughs> I mean still is yeah still is still yeah is. absolutely but and he had this amazing car I always had great cars he's obsessed and, with cars and a motorbike didn't he have a motorbike and, well not when I knew him that was before that was another story I'll have to get him to tell you yeah that's a really funny story I'll have to get him on his turn so uh, yeah you know he would have been uh, very what's the word as we used to say at the time um, you know kind of a good catch kind of yeah mm-hmm. in many ways I think we still use that oh yeah so, so anyway it's harder to find them <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, yeah. they're there. So um, I really felt, though, that I had dated a, a good while before. And so I just thought, I just want to just be on my own for a while. And um, so anyway, several years later, in about 84, we started to date, right? And so at that time, I was planning maybe to take a year off work and go over to Switzerland and to mm-hmm. do some stuff over so there. So you had been friends for a good few years? We were friends for three years. Like close friends or... Acquaintance. You were no, in the we knew one another quite well. Yeah, oh, did we you? Hung yeah. Out, yeah, we group, what we call group date, kind of a bit at the time. My mum always said that when we were growing up. She was like, group date, group date. And I was like, what? So <laughs> how just do you mean? hanging in a, in, a, in a group. You might kind of like have attraction to yeah. one or two. Yeah. But, but not spending so much time. But you're like, not actually so really time. going there just yet. Yeah. You're still getting to know one another. So... um Anyway, right late 84, we um, began to date and in about the March, he asked me to marry him. So, so you'd only been dating how long? Four months about it. My dad was six weeks. Really? They didn't really? get married now for another, I think they met in 82 and they got yeah. married in 84. But okay. my, That's nice. Though. My dad said they that they, they knew. You they do were, know. They had do. a conversation. Like it wasn't like a proposal. It was like mm. a, they were just like, Oh, we're going. We're getting. Still stay together. Yeah, let's go down this route. Let's, yeah. So you know. I was very much, you know, wanting to. I was enjoying my relationship with God. I was getting to know Him, and I began to see a future unfold, and I, I, I just wanted to be really sure. Yeah. That this was the right future mm-hmm. partnership. So I was on a flight and overnighting for two days. And normally you'd go out with the crew and hang out and all. I thought, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to stay back in my hotel room and I'm going to think about this. And I'm going to ask God just to show me. Is this the way to go? And it, 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 it's when you know him personally, it's actually you can have a dialogue and a conversation mm-hmm. and know that he hear you and will answer you. So I asked him, was this the way to go? And my daily reading at that time was Psalm 34. And it said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us glorify the Lord together. Together. Mm-hmm. So the word together mm. really showed me you're going to be better together. It jumped out at you. You're going to be better Aww. in a partnership. <laughs> and he's the right one for you. So although I knew him and I'd only dated him personally for four months, I didn't really know. Mostly you don't get to know someone until you live with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I had to trust God that he knew him better than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knew his character. He knew what we'd be like together. And so I took that step. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got married in August. That's crazy. <laughs> and did he did know. have a house. His oh, father yeah. was a, a, an auctioneer. So he had 
uh, helped him buy this really nice house. Our family home that we still. So at twenty nine, I that moved into house. that house, oh six bed house. Yeah. You had the same. My I've been three since houses. day one. It's quite unusual. It he is. bought. He helped David buy a house that would be a family a term house, it's and a he knew house. what to mm. look for with regard to you know facing in the sun and being near a town and it yeah. just takes all the boxes and all yeah. that kind of thing. He mm-hmm. died within a year of us being married. Um, you were pregnant with me then, were you? Yeah, he never saw any of his grandchildren. No. But wow. I am always thankful to him for... Well, he pr- he set up he really so did. much for you guys without mm. even knowing you, which he is really crazy did. when you look he at really it that did. way. Because so my dad's an only child. Oh, is he an only yeah. child? Yeah, an only child, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're one of how many? Five. Five. My mum's mm. one of eight. Yeah. So Catholic family. So yeah. did he find Church of Ireland? in your relationship because you had such different backgrounds like dad was brought up you yeah. know the south side this big house and only, only child church so. of ireland as well he church was. of ireland yeah. different different culture definitely mm-hmm. different uh, i went to school with a lot of church of ireland they are different very different they are different uh we laugh about some of the differences you know because uh, you obviously had like a smaller home with like packed yeah. full of yeah. you know more chaotic your brother <laughs> visitors and friends and stuff like that aunties cousins so are you cousins. used to that kind of because dad is a bit more maybe used to the more quieter life and he mm. likes peace. Where are you used to the kind of hustle and bustle of like a family life like that people coming and going? Yeah, and but I was, I was, uh, you know, you're, all, you're your own person as well. Yeah. And I am a little bit different. We're all different. Mm. Mary is yeah. different to Cecily and Cecily is different mm-hmm. to me. We're, we're, we're different. And so, yeah, we just blend it. You talk about blended families. We blend it. You just, you it know? worked. I'm not saying it was all easy. There were things we had to work through that were completely different. Like one of the funny things we noticed about the Protestants in the end. Say if you invite somebody to something, even a wedding, the Protestants the next week will have their RSVPs in. <laughs> sure, you know we're going. Yeah. What do you have to write to you? Think I I tell you. Turn up uninvited or not. Of course we're going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas the Prods all get their proper. So they're all, they do things right by the book. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, today we'll be like, like, what are they like? I said, well, that's just the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're different. So. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was a biker. So he, although he's no only child, he always had this community. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And bikers, you know, are Catholics and, you know, he always hung out with them and okay. they loved them. So mm. it was, there wasn't a problem. There's a big Christian movement in the biker community. There well, are, yeah, I always yeah. see them around town. So yeah. it's like, I ride with God yeah. on their yeah, 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 yeah. t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, because dad was considering getting a bike, I think this time, maybe last year. Yeah, he was, he was. Because yeah. there is a group that he like... He was a bit put off by it. <laughs> a real <laughs> Christian, a real American probably. But I think we're kind of glad as well that he... Well, extremely dangerous. So <laughs> it is. And he, he had 15 accidents altogether. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Well, he's so. lucky. He's really... So dangerous. Um, okay. Two more quick questions, okay. then we'll let you go. Because mm-hmm. my mom's a busy woman. Yeah, she plays to be. Um, what do you think of It Gals and its success? I don't think I know as much about It Gals <laughs> as I as I should, because it's a platform for young people and. Mm-hmm. I haven't been exposed to it a huge amount. I'm not a subscriber. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> no, but I also think I don't want like if. Not that I think you'd be against it, but it's a, it's a more out there than... I think it's great, actually. Mm. You know, yeah. talking to Jenny before we recorded about the importance of dialogue 
and listening to your friends and having conversations like we are now mm-hmm. we don't maybe um experience that as much young people don't and and you actually have to have structures for that like this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or in our case we have our home group and we mm-hmm. hang out every week with a group of people and we discuss things um and so yeah you're you're actually providing a structure for people to listen to conversation and mm. Because I think via social media, I mean, the whole point when it first kind of started, the like allure of it was connecting with a lot more people. Like when, mm. say, Bebo and all these things yeah. came out, you could come home from school and you could still talk to all your friends or have a little look at their pictures and all that stuff after school. So I think yeah. when it first came about, we thought that we were like connecting more than mm. we could have ever. And now we're actually not connecting with yeah. people. It's yeah. isolating us maybe. It's, it's replaced. Yeah. yeah. Some of True. the actual real interaction. Because yeah, I was just that saying. we need as humans. We, we need, need like. I mean. Face to it face. is a phone. Regardless if you're talking to someone. Or even listening to a scenario. It is a phone. You know the way. Yeah. So this. In terms of social media. Is a lot more real than. Because it is a conversation. And then the fact that you can have your live shows. They can show up. Yeah. And, and hang out with you. And mm. that's why I think the live shows. Are so special. Like mm. Lindsay and I always mm. say. Because. Especially for Lindsay and I, mm. because we record this every people. week, we don't get any You're feedback. Speaking into a vacuum, yeah, really. exactly. Not, but it's like, like you, you are. get comments, you get this, and you get that, and you see the numbers, mm. but it's very different mm. when you're at the live shows and you hear three hundred people screaming. And That's, you then, when we're doing the photos afterwards, you kind of hear little bits of how yeah. the podcast has affected people mm. or helped people, or and it connects people at the live shows because we always hear like people will go by themselves and leave with a group of girlfriends yeah, yeah. so yeah, it is it, you know so it's not only so I like creating to, friendships exactly mm-hmm. I like to see it as like we have the podcast that is like yeah based on technology a way of connecting but mm-hmm. then if you actually go the step further and go to our live shows you can actually meet a community mm-hmm. or even with the Patreon ex girls they are kind of like Definitely. sometimes chatting you know like there's mm-hmm. more conversation mm-hmm. there yeah, yeah. Um, so you are creating a structure yeah. for people to relate to would mm-hmm. you ever be like intimidated intimidated or worried about the content don't think about it okay so you just don't choose not to think about it I suppose I do. <laughs> blinkers probably best probably best other things going on yeah. like if Lindsay's doing a podcast I'm mind Riley with yeah. very often so yes which is incredible so I couldn't have intense done and hand on Definitely. I don't have you know I just let you off yeah but it is also great that we've found a way like for you know us to provide as well you know like mm. Lindsay's mm. And it's a great way for mm. I think Lindsay to yeah. mesh in a job yeah. with her current yeah. situation because so that was always my the biggest thing child issue care. I mean yeah. you know a lot of parents do kind of you know give the parents to like or their children to their mm. we see it a lot around our community you see the grannies mm. raising mm. um the children and while the mom and dad lucky. are going to nine to five if they're, if they're lucky, lucky yeah most of them are in very expensive crashes like and, my friend mm. her kid was in a crash at like one I know. you know that way like i mean and all i was yeah an mm. all-day crash and you know i when i was growing up it was more like child minders so it was kind yeah. of a bit more home, home, home at least you know home right? it was in her home okay. but there was like other kids it was me and my brother and like and two you were in the kids. comfort of a home it's like a local yeah, kind of yeah, you know yeah. just a, a, a stay at home mom but you everyone know. has to I know yeah. it's Few tough her. Like, yeah. exactly because I, I was always before it gals wanting to work and I started mm. doing nails and that was good but then it was just 
limited as well. Just with children, things come up every week. Like every we had Rilo in hospital last week, Luna in hospital the week and before. And it even then. happens with the podcast. You yeah. know, luckily, we're now in a more flexible situation. Because where we'd make, you know, like it sometimes we'll have Tuesday down for recording but then something well, and not change the Wednesday yeah. yeah you need that flexibility so when I was working with nails it was just like they were very gracious and stuff but it was still just I felt way more responsible with the yeah. boss and knowing that they'd have to and appointments mm, and yeah. yeah it was just a lot so with your help you and dad's help with minding the kids I was able to do this so yes. I'm so grateful well we're happy to do it now we got this last question to leave it on a little bit of a l- note. lol note <laughs> Um, it was what did you think of Lippy's Lindsay's <laughs> Lippy Lippy the hippie Lindsay's hippie phase and I think I want to ask you like is there any like from my past <laughs> style that you're like oh my goodness I'm so glad she doesn't wear or do like her hair anymore. my hair or clothes or well because you were so glam they were also saying how are you always so glam you are very which glam. is true you're always glam well it's two questions there so mm-hmm. I don't consider myself glam but I just do a little bit of grooming every day because in Aer Lingus we just got a little bit of grooming tips and oh so it's the air hostess maybe still inside that think, makes sense yeah, yeah you know you, you, you had to do I think it's different now but at that time you were expected to have a certain style and yeah. your hair groomed your makeup on and looking smart and it just became a habit, habit. Yeah. Did you have to be the same height was that a thing? It was a high thing, maybe between five one and five eight or something. I've but, heard yeah. that, and I think it's like that in Emirates. I think they're yeah. still very yeah. like that. Like I know they look my beautiful. Friend, they do. My I friends, they go style. in, they look at their nails every yeah. day. Yeah, well, we had that. We had that. Yeah. So obviously, I had to lower standards because you don't have, you know, as much money when you don't have your own income. And I used to fly to New York every week, and you could get cosmetics there yeah. much cheaper. So it's great. Stuff, I'd say. So. I, it's just a little little bit of effort you mm-hmm. know how quickly I get ready yeah I do my makeup in five minutes mm-hmm. and, you know but because just a little bit of makeup you find it stressful living say with Fiona who still is at home she takes and Fiona takes four hours well I, I don't really find you're used to it now I'm used to her and I'm like, like <laughs> you do get a little bit stressed at the end when you're like when are you going Go. out well I often <gasps> Fiona's getting ready when I'm minding the other two I'm uh, putting yeah. them to bed and she's got her music on and getting her makeup on yeah <laughs> And she's not going at nine, but she doesn't go to ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I say, just go. So, um, with regard to Lindsay, see, most of you know Lindsay is that little bit quirky and alternative. Mm-hmm. And we've had different styles over the years. <laughs> so, I think I'm just used to it. I mean, the dreads <laughs> for six years. <laughs> are you yeah. glad the dreads are gone? I am, but I just got to the point where I just accepted. I yeah, don't even it's care. not as you said. It's not the worst thing your daughter thing. could be doing. Yeah. 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 I remember when I did have the dreads. The most thing most people say to me is, "Don't worry about the dreads. Don't worry about pregnancy. Worry about drugs." Yeah, yeah. So please, mm-hmm. gals, don't please yeah. take any drugs. Yeah, mm-hmm. that really is a road you don't want to go down. And you see your kids go down, and your grandchildren go yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast, but there was we talk about Love Island a lot, and. Um, Last year, this day last year, Sophie Gordon committed suicide. She was on yes, Love Island. And then so um, a few months ago, Mike Thalysis yes, died. And the yes. two of them, the toxicology reports came out that they both had alcohol and cocaine yeah. in their system. Yeah. And apparently you're 16 times yeah. more likely to kill yourself if you yeah. take cocaine. Yeah. And alcohol combined. Yeah, like it's just oh, a yeah. kind of it's binge, like a calm down. Yeah. Which yeah. can come after yeah. like alcohol or yeah. drug or a mix. Yeah. So substance abuse especially around this time and even festivals uh, you know and I know in other countries 
you know, they wouldn't be strict with over the counter medication yeah. and that can America be dangerous as well. well. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. easy to get prescriptions. Mm. So yeah. But yeah, oh. so that's Thanks probably so much all. For coming on, Mom. Thank You're you so welcome, much. Girls. It was a brilliant episode. Yeah, I think they'll love hearing. Really? Yes. yes. It was and re- we can send you the link. Oh yeah, please. Yes. Link just so my for friends you. want to hear it, and they yeah. wouldn't normally hear it. So. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Are so you gonna say bye? <laughs> bye. Bye, girls. Make your move, your hips were sipping gin, girl. Make you bounce your tits like it's a jig, girl. Like boom, sit, come, boot, shut for your boom.